2: with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's n-o-o-m.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are
1: sold. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, And anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I'm so glad you guys are hanging with me here tonight. And we are talking rock, talking metal with a guy I recently hung out with in Los Angeles for the first time. He's been on the podcast a number of times, but we actually hung in person recently at the the Rainbow in Hollywood, Carl Alvarez. Carl, how are you, man? Oh, I'm pretty good, Mark. It's good to talk to you and uh,
2: good to hang out. When we did the hang, it was like four weeks ago, but it was really cool.
1: Yeah, Yeah, wow, time goes by fast. Yeah, about four weeks ago, and just so the listeners know who you are you are a long time hard rock metal fan uh you grew up in the uh what orange county area was it i grew up in a uh, north of i'm
0: trying to it
2: was a, a town called redlands which is more of like they would call it the inland empire if you were a a southern California 909 although it was not Nine oh nine area code. When we were growing up, it was always seven one four. Oh, okay. But, uh, Sixty miles east of uh, Los oh, Angeles. East.
1: Okay, okay. And you also worked on the Inside Metal documentaries. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, which we highly recommended. Uh, highly recommended viewing. Of course, great stuff. And you worked with Bob on those, as well as many Bob Nilbandian. That is, as well as many many others.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were covered the LA scene very in depth, and um, definitely it's a something you could still watch. It's on Amazon and uh, a lot of other streaming platforms, so I recommend
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's start talking about where we hung out in Hollywood, kind of a historic. Place in the you know story of hard rock and heavy metal, the Rainbow Bar and Grill on Sunset in Hollywood. How many times, like, do do you you frequent the place often? I know you're in California, but you're not necessarily right in Hollywood. Is it a place you get to frequently?
2: Well, it seems to be a destination point for a lot of people, especially if you're going to go to like the whiskey, like to show there. It's like, hey, let's let's meet up at the Rainbow. It seems to right. be a place for everybody to go.
1: But you personally, had you been there in a number of years? Or when we hung there, was it your first time there in a, in a, in a while?
2: Um, I usually go up there maybe once or twice a year. Okay. There's always something going on or meeting somebody. Um, in fact, I met my friend. We went to the Sebastian box show at the whiskey probably a couple of weeks after we met so oh, really okay it, it's a definite you know place to to meet up and you know get a pizza grab a brew whatever see the scenery hang by the fireplace whatever you know
1: right on now the rainbow i mean i I first went there the first time I went there was probably like two thousand uh no yeah the first time I went there was like two thousand. One or two, probably two thousand one, um, and I've been there many a time. Many a time since. Uh, when I say many a times, I mean you could probably count them all on on one, maybe two hands. But um, I feel like when we were in there, the vibe was a little different than what it, I remembered it being. Like the first time I went there back in in two thousand one, which it seemed a little crazier back in. 2001. Have you noticed the vibe of the place change through the years?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, it a lot of times it depends what time of week you go, too. Like okay. the weekend was just going to be a, a circus of different people coming through there. It's just like, like a big, it's a big destination spot. I mean, people that come to LA, they, there they're the rock people or they're clubbers or hanging out on Sunset Strip, that's just where people go. So you got a mixture. Like when we were there, well, it was a Friday night. Um, there was just a mixture of like tourists and out-of-towners and locals. So you just get a mishmash of just about everybody there, you know?
1: It seemed, I mean, we, it seemed like a tame crowd to me, though, because I remember when I was there in 2001, like... I I swear to God, people were fucking doing lines up up in the upstairs, like just playing in plain in plain view. Like it was it was absolutely insane. The guy was selling ecstasy. It, it was just and people just seemed like they were out of their mind. It seemed like there was a younger crowd there in two thousand one, um, and then I was there probably like 2004 I then I did an interview with Slash there in 2007 so I can't really count that experience but then yeah I hadn't been there I think the last time I was there was actually to that when I interviewed Slash in, two, oh, wow. in December of 2007 um and that I can't even judge it because that was just like it you know they had the room roped off for for Slash um but it it seemed like it wasn't as chaotic. Like it didn't seem like it was just like, wow, this is off the hook, debauchery and and craziness when, when, when we were hanging there and maybe, maybe I'm just older and I, I, maybe I wasn't there at the right time or something, but it it seemed a little more tame to me.
2: Oh, it's interesting. I mean, I've gone there. I mean, I haven't seen the lines and I'm sure that's happened before, but you know, it's, it's typically not my scene but i'm sure it happens and it did happen and maybe there was a phase where it was more of a debaucherous i mean it's got that reputation obviously i mean way before us even right i mean i did not start going to the rainbow until like 1986 when i found it on my radar where hey we got to go to this rainbow place it seems to be the cool hang you know and lemmy's hanging out there and different rock people okay cool let's go up there and you know sure enough there's always somebody there at any given time I think when we went it it didn't seem to be any sort of thing going on you know where you know uh, artists were in town or you know some sort of uh, uh, you know whatever the big thing was happening although your next night that that uh, Guns N' Roses show I mean you'd think there'd be people hanging at the rainbow prior to that or after that you know
1: yeah it could be it could be. We saw like more like craziness at like the uh, Chateau Maman down there the street. Go. Yeah, then 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 we saw at the the rainbow. We saw a little craziness. We had Ron Jeremy walking around while you while we were hanging there. What was up with him? He he wouldn't. We tried to buy him a drink, and he didn't. He said he didn't drink alcohol anymore. But he seemed a little out of it to me, didn't he? I mean, did he? I don't you know. know I, like was that I, like meds? or, or I, what
2: i think i left right after that had happened i remember you mentioned that and stuff so he's a fixture he's always around it seems you can it's it's very good chance of run into him anytime, any place i remember i saw him there he was hanging with the nelsons this is like 93 so like the nelsons have kind of fallen out you know they were still doing their thing probably had a following and i remember he was hanging out with one of them they were it was kind of a weird thing, like Ron Jeremy and one of the Nelsons. It just seemed like an odd mix, but they right. were hanging.
1: <laughs> right. Huh. Interesting stuff. Cool. All right. So let's uh, let's move on. And I wanted to talk about Ozzy Osbourne, one of my favorite topics, because uh, last night I was out at um, the Last in Line show, mm-hmm. which – is vivian campbell uh what's the singer's name uh andrew uh freeman freeman yeah and who is great by the way and mm-hmm. vinnie Appice on the drums and vivian campbell so you know essentially two guys from that classic dio lineup from those first three albums and then you have you know andrew just doing a great job with the vocals and and Phil Susan on bass. And, you know, Phil was part of the the Ultimate Sin album by Ozzy Osbourne and a big part in uh, part of, you know, the main songwriter, I guess, on the song Shot in the Dark. So I've, I don't know. I've just really been thinking a lot about that album lately. And I recently did a guest spot, the Ultimate Sinner guest spot on, on Ozzy's Boneyard, and I played Fool Like You off that record. And... Ozzy was recently in the press saying he doesn't have fond memories of that record. I can't remember if he said he doesn't have fond memories of making it or he just doesn't like it It or both, Um, but I I think it was such a great record for Ozzy, and I wanted to get your opinion on on that era of Ozzy's career, which was kind of a, a unique look and sound for him because... I felt like it had kind of evolved from Bark at the Moon. Bark at the Moon seemed like it was kind of going in a few different directions. It, it, in a way, it was like a a bridge between the Randy era and where they'd end up with the Ultimate Sin. But um, yeah, the Ultimate Sin it was as close as Ozzy ever got to like... 80s metal, if you will, in my opinion, like the the Sunset Strip bands. You know, it was, it was that's his, as close as he got to that sound. What what were your thoughts about the album, The Ultimate well, Sin?
2: I look at that record in 1986. You look at the bands that were signed to major labels. Now, Ozzy always seemed to set the standard with any record that he put out throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s, even. I mean, he kind of set the standard, so. I think when Bark, um, when Bark of the Moon, it was a new band. So they were kind of just formulating the, 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 the whole coalescence of this new band, you know? And then I think by the time Ultimate Sin came out, it seemed to be the formula had notched up a little bit. The, the production was a little heavier. Uh, Nevison came in there and really dialed them in. Uh, the songs, and I think what Ozzy did was he didn't get caught up in commercialism, which a lot of the bands were, and it was a commercial effort, don't get me wrong, but it had a lot of dark, heavy overtones uh, in, in, in the music. I mean, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, they're always going to appear at any, given, at, at any given time, but you look at the bands that were on the major labels that were putting out product in 1986, Like Sabotage, who had Power of the Night before that. And then they came out with their next record, which was really lightweight. I I can't remember the name of the record, but it has the flag on it. Um, And then um, Raven, here's another band that really started out as a heavy band. And then I think um, The Pack Is Back was kind of a weak record. That was the
1: one after It's Hard?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think right around that phase it would just they, they were started to kinda of go in this commercial and it wasn't working for them. And P- Priest, Judas Priest, Turbo, um was a kind of a commercial right kind of lightweight, you know. I mean they still were able to keep it together and do these world tours and stuff. So so Ozzy was kind of straddling the line between that, you know. So the that record it, it's unique in that sense because it it, it kind of embarked on kind of a heaviness but yet sticking within the aussie formula right and that black sabbath formula i guess that he would be doing in the uh, 80s yeah so i got those are my thoughts on on that record and obviously doing the tour with metallica in the u.s that you know that's always a smart play he always got the the bands that were kind of breaking or close to be breaking yeah. and it was always different you know he always had a different band uh, yeah warm up and it fit you know it was a it was a good fit
1: yeah and the, you know that the ultimates tour was truly in my opinion the introduction um of metallica to the world i mean a lot of us underground metal fans knew about metallica at that point but that you know they were still fresh on the uh the edge of their major label push at that point it was an amazing break for them but I remember and I think I probably told you this before on on a previous episode that you were on that when I was at that show there were a handful of people I saw that in Chicago Metallica opening for Ozzy in 1986 there were a handful of people that were you know like left after Metallica played, you know, and we're making a big thing about I'm not staying for Ozzy. I Metallica, you know, that's it. And so which is interesting. And in at that time too in 1986, you have to remember you know Sabbath now when we think about 70s era Sabbath, it's just the coolest thing in the world and everybody thinks, you know, that's that's the shit, you know, that's that's the the stuff that the building blocks of heavy metal and it was, you know, along with a few other bands, but in 1986, Sabbath was not cool. And, and I tell this to younger kids and they don't, they don't get it. Kiss with makeup was not cool in 1986. It, that was like, Oh, that laughable seventies stuff, you know, it, it just that cheese ball stuff from the seventies. We don't like that. You know, that's not, that's not where we're at now. So, so.
2: being seen as it's, thats kind of dirty, dirty biker biker motorcycle kind of stuff that's that's old
1: (laughs) yeah 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 and and it wasn't until the 90s that both makeup era kiss and um you know sabbath or maybe even i would say the late like 89 1990s really where where we started being able to accept certain bands from the 70s where there were other bands that never really went out of style like i mean you could say the eagles even though they had broken up led zeppelin you know those bands were still cool throughout the the 80s i mean fm radio was embracing them and playing the shit out of led zeppelin through the 80s even though led zeppelin didn't exist the same with the eagles even though the eagles didn't exist at that time you know and they were still you know championed by the rock stations and, and people who were controlling the, the rock magazines and media and stuff where, where honestly Sabbath and kiss weren't until things turned the corner and, and, you know, Alice Chains and Pantera and stuff started saying, no, that was the cool shit. You know, that was, that was, the, that was the great shit. And then, you know, suddenly Paul Stanley was like, well, you know what, we're going to start playing more than three or four songs from the makeup era and the set list. And, and, you know, Ozzy started when, bringing back war pigs into his set list and whereas for years Ozzy was only doing Iron Man and Paranoid and a little bit of Children of the Grave you know so it was like it was it was interesting yeah so but but that was a real interesting time for Ozzy and to me it was the the closest he got to really embracing the Sunset Strip and 80s metal look and Sound and and I loved the album and I thought it I thought it worked terrifically.
0: It it
2: was a good selling album in the MTV era. Obviously, that uh, you know, shot in the dark video was really kind of a visual, and it kind of culminated that, like you said, the Sunset Strip kind of thing when Dweezil Zappa being in the video, and it just kind of had a lot all the elements. And you know, sometimes when you spread things out so far out in the realm, people kind of lose focus of what it's all about but with Ozzy it seemed to be always a milestone with every record that he came out with and it seemed to be like in 1986 that was kind of the milestone record as far as the commercial metals scene goes yeah
1: so on that note let's get into some music off that record the record of course side one was the ultimate sin secret loser never know why Thank God for the bomb. I mean, I love all these songs. Never, never, I was so so on the side two. Lightning strikes, killer of giants, fool like you, shot in the dark. I mean, God, what a side two, epic. I mean, those songs are are epic. Uh, fool like you is a song I recently did on my ultimate sinner guest spot on Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius XM. So let's do another one here on the podcast. This is a song that he played in 1986 when I saw him uh epic jakey lee guitars on this this is killer of giants by ozzy osbourne giants off the ultimate sin album by ozzy osbourne eighty eighty six right carl yes 19 yeah. march of 1986 it came nice. out nice awesome awesome cool so carl i go to a ton of shows you you had texted me earlier and you're like maybe we can talk about some of our our favorite shows from 2019 and i have to admit i was getting a little stressed out because i i it all kind of blurs together i'm like well when did I see Ministry in New Jersey? Was that was that 2018? Was that 2019? So I'm right now going through my Facebook page trying to figure out what shows I actually went to in 2019. Um, but so let's let's start with you. What shows jumped out for you as some of your favorite concerts of 2019? Tell us the shows where you saw them and what you remember about them.
2: Well. This past year seemed to be the, 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 the year of the bands that are classic that were rolling through. I mean, we had Kiss, which I didn't go see with the Farewell Tour. Um, but just Priest and Iron Maiden, they rolled through our town, our, our Southern California. And uh, I, 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 would, I mean, Priest is, is always a great show. Rob Halford, amazing. The band's on fire. I mean, Richie Faulkner has really kind of taken the the role of the kind of the the guitarist of 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 that band, you know. But uh, the other guy did really well too. I mean, the whole the whole thing of, of Priest, I can always Andy appreciate Sneep, them and yeah. always, yeah, Andy Sneap, and I can just always appreciate it. It just brings everything back home when you really see a show with uh, Judas Priest and stuff, and your eye heat warmed up, which. I mean, there's there's another band from way, way, way back that still resonates, and and you can find some new appreciation for because they they created that thing too, and from England and the hard rock heavy metal they were they were the one of the preeminence really, Yeah, in, in
1: my opinion, Uriah Heep. Now, I'm not an expert on the band. I, I have a couple of their records through the years, um, but when you look back at it and you you read what. Historians like Martin Popoff, who have really, truly studied the the heavy metal movement in our form. I mean, Uriah Heep is one of the architects for sure. And mm-hmm. they don't get as much credit as Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and, and Led Zeppelin for starting this hard rock movement. But, but they were there and they were definitely an important element in the late 60s, early 70s for taking things to a kind of new level, in my opinion. <laughs>
2: And I would have to say, I mean, those two bands, Iron Maiden especially, it, it was probably like the best show. I, anytime I've seen Iron Maiden, hands down, it's so good. They're so good. Um, we There was a place – they played out here at the Bank of California, California Stadium. And right. it's a big new facility that they had made. And uh, the place was packed, sold out, and it was just an awesome show. They deliver every time. So I was really blessed to go see that show. Um I saw Yuli Roth earlier this year. Amazing. I've never seen him play live. Never seen him play live. Wow. The amazing thing about him, he embraces the Scorpions, his era of Scorpions, which is great. And he's flawless. And the band that he has... They're flawless too. I mean, every everybody's firing on all cylinders. No lazy guys in that band whatsoever. Right. See, for great. me, I don't
1: know much about him in the Scorpions except one record, taken by force. You know, uh, which is a great, great record. I mean, top of the bill, one of the Scorpions' best songs. But I, I don't, I don't know uh, a lot more about him. And it's funny because as a kid. Again, this goes back Like like I'd see him on the album covers And I was like Oh, I'm not going to buy that album cover Because it's got a hippie on it You know, he he had yeah. that hippie look You know, in the 80s I'm, I'm dead serious And I was like I didn't get into the Taken by Force record Until many, many years later Of course, back in the 80s I loved Love Drive I loved, you know um, uh, I'm going blank here I loved uh, Animal uh, magnetism, magnetism Yeah, and you know, I was a big fan when Rocky like the Hur, Hurric- Rocky like a hurricane hit. Was all over that album, uh, Big City Nights, and you know, I, just uh, Blackout was a big record for me. So I was all over that stuff, but. I, I didn't wanna buy that record because I turned it over and I saw a picture of Yuli John Roth and I was like, What the fuck? It's a hippie. I'm not buying a record with a hippie on it. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. I mean, that's how shallow I <laughs> I was. But that was that was the eighties, man. And I mean and I mean that's that was like people weren't into Sabbath. People weren't into Bell Bottoms in nineteen eighty six. That was you know, bell bottoms and and Converse sneakers, That that was like the that was like if you wore that, that shit, you were you were out of it. You were old man, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but you, you Lee know,
1: John I, Roth. I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. Good, good oh, show?
2: Right, right. Great show, Phenomenal. That was back in March. He, you know, it's the nice thing about it. I always try to catch the bands that are in the clubs that, you know, I saw Danko Jones at this dive bar in Long Beach. Great show. Phenomenal. Cool. I mean, this guy is just... Denko Jones just doesn't get enough credit for.
1: Oh, he's he great. Ate. He's great. I I lo- I love I love his music and think he's so talented. I do have to say it was one of my uh biggest letdowns for an interview in in the 2019. I don't know. I I just had such high hopes that it was going to be this amazing interview and I don't know we just didn't really vibe on the phone. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with it, but there's certain times I interview somebody and there's like just a Total connection and the interview flows. And I don't know, like he and I, for whatever reason, I I was sad about it afterwards. The interview turned out fine. I think it even got a headline here or there, but it was just like, I don't know, there was no connection. But the show was good. The show was good. Phenomenal.
2: And like I said, I really like to see these world class bands that can tour the world and play in stadiums in Europe. And they play a a dive bar in in Long Beach, California. Right. It's such a great thing, really. A lot of people there um yeah it was a fairly packed place um you know it's 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 just great you know you can walk in there and have a beer and just be home by 11 you know or by 12 right, and not right, worry about it you know, right local cool show same with Fu Manchu I saw Fu Manchu back in October awesome show at another dive bar or club in Santa Ana which is close by us um they're another great band you know they just don't they they don't get the the, the 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 kudos that they deserve, but they're hardworking, tight as hell, and they do what they do. Their their sound is you know you, it is what it is, and you can yeah. appreciate it.
1: I saw so. them in two thousand nineteen also, and they destroyed so freaking good stoner rock at its at its greatest. I mean you know the cover of Godzilla, their tune mongoose, they just pulled out all, all the stuff you'd want to hear from Fu Fu Manchu. Um, You know, hard-driving, riff-driven, stoner, rock metal. Uh, So good, so good. Love those guys.
2: I would have to say my top show, though, for the year, and it it only happened out here, it was the Chris Cornell Tribute Concert. Oh, okay, right,
1: right, right. I saw some clips, and it was good.
2: Oh, amazing. I think they did a stellar job of the lineups that they had there. And it covered all the bases of Chris Cornell's career. And the people just really brought their own, I guess, take on what Chris Cornell was, but they did it justice. And the concert was really long. It was like four hours. But there was not a downtime whatsoever, no boredom whatsoever. Everybody. And apparently this is going to be some somewhere down the line. It's going to be on home video or, or it's going to be on okay. one of the time or HBO. So I think everybody will get a chance. I don't know if it's going to be a condensed version of the concert. Like I said, it was four hours. So maybe Tell us a, some of the trim- people
1: who were a part of the tribute concert.
2: Well, well, obviously Metallica, they played like five songs. They did some, they reached into some old Soundgarden songs. And, you know, um, obviously if you're really sub pop, uh, uh, Soundgarden, or probably it could have been the SST stuff. They were never on Pop. What am I saying? Yeah, the old SST stuff. They they ended up playing, I think, two old uh, um, SST catalog songs. So it was really kind of cool, you know. They just kind of brought it uh, to the thing. Um, Miley Cyrus. That was a weird kind of thing. I'm like, ah, is this really gonna work? And she bombed kind of on the first song that she did. I can't remember what she did or who she was with because it was different different constellations of really high profile artists that were performing but the second song she did and I can't remember what it was she killed it she really killed it I was really really impressed
1: uh, I saw a clip of her doing uh, the Temple of the Dog song right Say Hello to Heaven yeah, yeah I think
2: that could
1: and I yeah. thought it was good I thought I mean you know it's like she I, okay I get it it's Miley Cyrus and you know a lot of old school hard rock guys and heavy metal guys aren't gonna even give her a chance because of her Disney past and, you know, Poppy past and stuff. But I I, there's something about her that I like. I I have to say there's something real about her. And I I saw her doing that song, uh, Say Hello to Heaven by Temple of the Dog, a clip of that, and I was quite impressed. I've seen her, like, do Pink Floyd stuff. And I've seen her, you know, rocking the Metallica Uh, And Iron Maiden shirts and stuff And I get it You know, she's a pop star, you know And she does pop music But I don't know I, I, I like it that she seems to have a true respect for rock And I don't think it's a poser thing Like where she's just wearing an Iron Maiden shirt I think she actually And she said it That she likes the band I think she has an appreciation for classic hard rock Classic rock like Pink Floyd and anybody who gets out there and plays the good, true rock for a younger generation who is not going to get exposed to it otherwise, I'm I'm all for. So if Miley Cyrus, even though she's a pop star, somehow exposes a younger bunch of kids to a Pink Floyd song or a Soundgarden song or Temple of the Dog song. I'm 100% in. I think it's great.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that's probably, you just said it perfectly because that's, that's right. You know, there's a lot of, there's going to be a drop off of, of, of music fans that are just going to miss out on something. And sometimes people revisit things. Sure. And that I'm sure that happens a lot, but it, sometimes it takes one person or a couple people to really kind of bring it out in the forefront and expose it in a different way to really intrigue people and keep the keep keep the fires burning, really, because these artists, I mean, they're here on this planet for a short amount of time, and they deliver, especially a guy like Chris Cornell, amazing artist, individual songwriter whatever you would bring he he was the complete package you know so in this environment w- during this concert with all these different people of eclectic taste, you know we had chris stapleton ziggy marley like i said metallica there was a ensemble with geezer butler like a, a tom morello uh, a bunch of different people doing the kind of the hard rock Side of Soundgarden, so it's amazing all the sides that were represented. This happened at the Forum back in January, but it's still a memorable concert for me. I think it was one of my favorite concerts, definitely for
1: 2019. Cool, yeah. Well, I could tell you. You got any more? or Can I? I'll list off a few of mine. Yeah,
2: yeah go, go for yours. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, there's so many, and I'm I literally the only way I'm remembering these is I'm going through my Facebook page, <laughs> looking at what I posted. But Damon Johnson back in January. Uh, played a, a little club in New York City, and it, it was such a great show, busting through, like, his career. Like, it was a career re- retrospective, you know. You got Alice Cooper and Thin Lizzy songs and, you know, covers of Thin Lizzy songs, but you also got his stuff from, you know, uh, Brother Kane and, uh, you know, so much, so much stuff, his solo album stuff and... Black Star Riders stuff. It was just a great night, and it was just one great song after another performed in front of a relatively small crowd, which it just bums me out. I mean, last night, like I said, I saw Last in Line, another great show, and they've been through my area a number of times within the last four years, three years, like almost too many times, and I it it, it saddened me that that the club was half full. I mean, this is a club. I mean, you got a member of Black Sabbath. You got a member of Ozzy Osbourne's band on stage. You got, uh, you know, a member of, of Dio and, and Def Leppard on stage. Def Leppard, you know, f- fills, fills an arena easily in this area. And it was, it was like a hundred people in the club, you know, it was, which is just crazy to me. But anyways, those were two great shows and many in between warrant. You know, I was never a Warrant guy back in the day, but every time I see them, they're so good. I saw them twice this year. The first time was really, really great in New Jersey at Starland Ballroom, Um, trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the two big guys for me were Iron Maiden and Kiss this year. Saw Kiss twice. I had horrible seats at Madison Square Garden um, when they played there, but there was something that was truly magical about that night and i think i had just as much fun there if not more fun than i did when i had third row uh this fall in new jersey um for kiss again iron maiden i saw this past summer and there's something religious like whenever i go see them and and this was no exception um saw ghost a number of times uh they're always a a band that i love trying to think of who else um
2: Oh, well, you saw Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, Roses was good.
1: Guns N' Roses was good. I, I, was my my mindset was a little off for that because they they went on at eleven p.m. you know, Cali time, which for me was. Uh, like two in two in the morning, yeah. So I was a little tired, but but they were great. They were great, definitely. I saw I saw Cheap Trick. I wouldn't put them quite up there. It was kind of a weird. I saw Cheap Trick in New Jersey. It's kind of a weird set. Like too many deep cuts for me. I was more the I'm more the casual, Cheap Trick guy. Yeah. I saw Cheap
2: Trick, too. They played out here. It was for – we have a a Navy installation out here, and they had, like, their Navy night, and they were the band that was playing. I guess last year, Vince Neal's band played, but it was in front of an aircraft carrier down into the port of San Pedro, and they were the band that played. And, I mean, that was the first time i seen Cheap Trick. That's one band I missed. And, yeah, they did play a lot of deep cuts and you know they've, they've aged a little bit I'm just bit not and, a
1: I'm not a deep cut guy when it comes to cheap tricks yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah I was glad if, it's not, though, yeah for sure yeah definitely and uh Fate's Warning and Queensryche that was fun although I will say that this this that, that was a double bill I will say this year when I saw Jeff Tate play I was almost a little more excited than I had been uh, at the at the Queensryche concert I also saw this year um, Trying to think Yeah, Fu Manchu I saw up at Heavy Montreal And they, they really oh, wow. were one of my favorite bands uh, I think at M3 this year I thought Quiet Riot really stole the show Kingdom Come and Quiet Riot were really, really great And James Durbin was a big part of the reason Quiet Riot was so great So I was sad to hear that he was out of Quiet Riot uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago um, so, yeah, but I guess there's so many that I could go on cause Emily and I go to a ton of concerts, but I guess the two that rise to the top for me, you know, in 2018, I would have, I probably would have said ghost, but this, and I saw ghost twice this year, but I think this year for me, the two biggies that were just emotionally kind of, uh, and spiritually and, and musically, the ones that meant the most to me were, were Iron Maiden and... And both KISS shows that I saw in 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 Newark, New Jersey and in uh, Manhattan, New York City. So I'll go with those two because there were a lot of other shows. But I think those were my favorites.
2: It's very hard to pick because, you know, when you go out and you specifically see these artists, it's it's a big deal because it's like part of our music catalog, you know, and we're putting down money or we're paying for a T-shirt or buying a piece of merchandise you know i'm all in you know I'm, i want to support these bands in any sort of way so it's really hard to pick one because there's also all these dimensions of different bands you know we talked about fu manchu which is kind of a stoner rock thing iron maiden or denko jones or yuli roth it's kind of foot you know in the, the the footstep back into the 70s with you know uriah Heep, and you know so it's hard to really pick you know i mean sebastian Bach, that was a killer show killer show he went through he played uh slave to the grind uh front and back and uh brent woods was playing with him he's an amazing guitarist Uh, so all these shows it's really hard to pick you
1: know who i had had fun seeing and i wasn't even like i'm not even like a major fan like i like i really like a lot of his radio stuff but uh Freaking Brian Adams, saw him this year. Man, he's oh. was so freaking good. And again, I never bought a... I don't think I ever bought one Brian Adams record. I think I, I had a few of his songs that I like taped off the radio as a kid, but I, I don't think I ever bought a record as a kid. But man, he was great.
2: There's a guy, I'm sure he brings it. I mean, he's definitely... Yeah, I, I would like to see him. Not just because, like you say, just kind of more of the casual fan, but when you grow up with this sort of... Stuff, it really sticks as time goes on, you know, you're like, yeah, that's, that was a good song. Hey, not bad. You know? Absolutely. So I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk. Uh, is there any shows you're looking forward to by the end of the year that you're on your radar?
1: Um, you know, it's weird. The shows really drop off at least in my neck of the woods, the the, the tours and, and concerts, it's like this December and January. And a lot of times February are really are really dry. Um, I think we're going to go see maybe the cult and maybe rat. I think that's in December, um, it, in New Jersey. So I'm looking for, I'm, you know, I'm always looking forward to those. I, my goal for 2020 is, you know, in previous years, I've gotten to a lot of like, uh, non-metal shows, non-hard rock shows. And I feel like in 2000. Nineteen, there was really only one or two of those for me. So I I, I like to stay diverse. So one of my goals is to kind of expand the boundaries of my concert going experience, my 2019 concert going experience in 2020. But I'm always looking forward to heavy Montreal. I'm always looking forward to M3. Um, What else? Ozzy Osbourne is on the calendar, the makeup show at the garden. Looking forward to that. I have really good seats for that and i don't really know right now what other shows i have tickets for so so i don't know i'll have to get back to you on that one
2: okay no worries <laughs> yeah. uh, what about we, you? Have some we have some good ones we got a king diamond uh uncle acid show at uh, in december okay cool i like really uncle good.
1: acid by the way good stuff i think cool. i played a track of theirs on a previous episode here
2: Had you seen them before
1: no. i have not no
2: good band good band i yeah. they they're really good uh, we have Slayer, it's kind of closing out at the forum out here in November. Uh, High on Fire with Power Trip, it should be a good show. It's out here at the Observatory in Santa Ana. Cool. Uh, Dark Angel, um, not Dark Angel, Death Angel at the, Death the Whiskey. Angel, right. And uh, Metal Blade does this brewery uh, uh, show where they combine two nights and they bring out thrash bands, Metal Blade underground bands. I think Possess is going to play, Violence is reforming to play play this so that would be a really cool yeah, thing yeah possessed and,
1: and, have been doing some shows so that, yeah that's awesome so
2: yeah there's that that's happening and mr bungle is doing like a three night
1: thing i heard that scott ian's playing different, or something
2: yeah 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 it's gonna be a pretty uh, pretty that's probably gonna be the show of the year as far as uh that kind of ilk of of artists and and mr bungle is kind of, kind of so eclectic for people that never got a chance to see them. This is their opportunity and I'm sure it's going to be a highly coveted ticket. So yeah, I, I guess Absolutely. I'll probably see at least three of those shows.
1: Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I've never seen Mr. Bungle. I saw like Tomahawk and some of Mike Patton's other stuff, uh, Fontamos, but never saw Mr. Bungle. So, all right, Carl, well I have to wrap it up and go to bed. So <laughs> it is, yeah,
2: uh, no, too long. but hey, Good talk you do. Glad we caught up, and uh, yeah, Yeah. we'll do it sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is Sunday night. We are recording this just for the for the record on November tenth. I I hope to post it on the twelfth, but but we'll see. So uh, as always, it was great hanging with you in L.A. I really appreciate you taking the time to come down and hang with Emily and I at the Rainbow. And as always, thank you for joining me here on the Talking Metal Podcast.
2: Great. Talking to you, Mark. We'll talk
1: to you soon. All right, cool. And to take us out, we're gonna do a little Iron Maiden. This is going way back. Let's hit some uh, Paul Diano era Iron Maiden. This is "Murders in the Rue Morgue."